Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome to the Randomly Generated History Club, where three non-historians pick a year at random and try to learn things about it. I'm Will, and I'm here with my two friends, Anna and Ant. Hello. Oh, hi. This week, we are talking about the year 1969, mm. thanks to esteemed board member Patrick, yes. Yay! who has used his... His right. Right. His, his God-given right. right. His divine right. Yeah. divine right, purchased by Patreon, to, <laughs> to select the year for this episode, which is a first for us. Mm. And I'd like, before we go any further, each of us to give a three-word preview of what we're discussing today. Anna. My three words are, take that, Soviets. <laughs> take that. <laughs> Mine is biggest ever festival. Oh. Oh, biggest ever festival. Okay. You can imagine that might be in 1969. I yeah, I got a fair hint. So yeah. we've got a... Good. There's actually... Yeah. Biggest ever festival okay. and a <laughs> Soviet boy band. <laughs> yes. And mine is Made TikTok Possible. Made TikTok made Possible. TikTok possible. What? Uh, uh, China? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My sick dance moves. This week, I am going to talk about ARPANET. ARPANET. Oh, yeah. ARPANET. Of course, of Is course. that a man named Ralph Panet? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> You've ruined it. You've heard, this. You've heard of this before. ARPANET is, in fact, in fact, can we be serious for a moment, the advanced, <laughs> no. the advanced Research Projects Agency Network. Yeah. Okay. And this was uh, the first wide area network that had distributed control rather than centralized control, which basically just all that means oh. is that it's significant because that it laid the technical foundations for what became the internet. Of course, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't Al Gore do this? Was Al Gore yeah. did this? No, it was it was before. It wasn't one of the Al Gore ones. That's <laughs> okay. No, that's the that movie, isn't it? The inconvenient. No, no, Al Gore complained. Not complained. He said that he 
He made the internet. Yeah, I he think did. That's a famous quote. <laughs> he did not. Yeah, true, his middle yeah. name is Arpanet. Is his name Alistair Richard Panet? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, what is Arpanet? So, um, well, with, so first of all, without its existence, I think people listening. Uh, would probably be unable to listen to the podcast, except of course <laughs> for our uh, for our small but loyal number of listeners who write to us each yes. week yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the receive transcripts. our legacy written newsletter, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which of course is uh, carried to them personally by uh, foxes, by <laughs> by by foxes. Yeah, yes, with exactly. Scrolls in there. Messenger foxes. Yeah, yeah. messenger yeah, foxes. Yeah, yeah. By messenger yeah. foxes, yeah. which of course is in the tradition of the fine tradition of the club. But for everyone else, you owe you owe much to the internet. And its predecessor, ARPANET. Uh, mm. So first of all, ARPANET is the, the Advanced Research Projects Agency Network. Can you guess which project agency initiated this project? I'm going to say NSA? USA. I mean, it's USA, USA for sure. Yep. Of course it's USA. D-O-D. So I'm going to give you a clue. It's the Advanced Research Projects Agency <laughs> Network. <laughs> DARPA. <Which> projects Agency. <laughs> okay, so That's right, yeah, ARPA. ARPA. <laughs> right? Okay, that was supposed to be a really easy get you in you thing. You've said the acronym so many times, and each time I have not internalized what words you're saying. That's okay. Okay. Uh, okay, so ARPA itself it as a little okay, a little sidebar on ARPA because it's yeah. fascinating. So this is a really interesting organization and it's probably worth exploring in some future episode. Mm. But it was established by Eisenhower oh, in cool. 1957 after the Soviet Union launched Sputnik, mm-hmm. which is the first okay. artificial satellite. And at the time, this was uh, something that completely blew the minds of people in the American establishment. And it caused quite a big scandal because... Well, not not because they were shocked that you could put something into orbit, but just because they were yeah, shocked yeah. that the Soviet Union got there first and managed yeah. to do it. And, and so, so their answer was to send nudes to each other across some <laughs> campus, is, is what it was. Which I'm assuming was the very first use for this. Yeah, that's that's kind of just the American experiment in general. When in, when in doubt, send nudes. I mean, it must have still been faster to send them, print them off and send them in a vacuum tube, you know, yeah. like in those like well, shopping centres. It, it was foxes until the Fox. mid-2000s. Yeah. Yeah. Messenger Fox. foxes, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> that's where the history of the term uh, foxy comes from. That's why <laughs> messenger that foxes right? carrying um, primitive foxy nudes. pictures. They would say, "Yeah, yeah. Right. oh, that's a foxy pick." Oh, I didn't know. There that. you go. That's where it comes from. Messenger foxes. Fact. <laughs> this podcast is really useful really for general learning. <laughs> so good. So uh, ARPA was established to collaborate with people from academia and industry and other government partners and to conduct research and development to expand the frontiers of U.S. technology. And most of it was linked to things that would be helpful to help them maintain military advantage. Mm. But then there were also just lots of other things that they thought might be useful for wider American dominance in civil society. And technologists today, like the personal computer and weather satellites and mRNA vaccines most recently. I just don't think I could get by it one day without my weather satellite, you know? It's, <laughs> yeah. uh, it really has just changed my life on a daily basis. <laughs> I do have a question, though. So this is the Advanced Research... Uh, Projects Agency. Projects Agency. Yeah. Is there, like, a sort of a simple... Research project because I don't. That's where feel... they were working on things like you know slicing bread. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I, my CV would pass muster for the advanced one. But if I could like yeah focus my time on like square blocks through square holes or something like that. Yeah, yeah. There is a, there's a basic projects club they have. Um, so you you could join that, and that's for people who get lower marks. Yes, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think like you probably in mm. their in their academic studies. Uh, so so but ARPANET was created to try and link up computers that by 1969 were increasingly commonplace about around in academic research settings and in major corporations and across government departments. And it kind of makes sense, I think, that. 
when you have this big, enormous mainframe computer thing in your organization and you're collaborating with another organization and they you, you hear they now have a computer, mm. one of the first things that you'll try and do is try and work out whether you can link the things up and get yeah. them to, to, to collaborate To send better. nudes. Do the foxy nude sending. Now I have a, a question. Yeah, um, these computers, are we still in the era of like, punch card you know mm, big yeah a computer takes up an entire room or are yeah. we in a smaller you know i think by the late 60s you were beyond punch cards for advanced computers i, I think uh, that's I, right I you think, and think, more than I, I, think, I, th- I think they still had like a lot of punch cards there's yeah. definitely definitely cards that were punched okay but the, cool the size of the punch got smaller and smaller okay over time okay so we're, but we're not at we're yeah. not at like personal computer yeah no this is still like you know like, like do you know where so. the term bug comes from where the term burger? Bug. 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 Computer bug. Bugging code. Oh. Do you know where it comes from? Um, no. A beetle that crawled into a punch hole. This is literally, that's almost exactly what happened. So oh, in yes. early computers, I think it was in the late 40s, early 50s. Um, I could be wrong. People can Google this. But it, when, when, when computers did run on punch cards and uh-huh. tape, um, and they would have to go in and try and work out what had gone wrong with the code. They would sometimes find literally insects in there. Yeah, yeah and, and they found it. But after the first time they found it, it became the term for a problem with the code. And, and so the, the, the insect bodies would occupy a whole punch area, and therefore the one would be a zero, or the zero would be a one, or whatever, and that would cause oh. a success. Exactly. And that's oh, why yeah. all tech companies to this date employ entomologists. That's yes. correct. Yeah. About two thirds of the uh, Twitter employees who were let go yes. were in, in the entomology. Yeah, which I think we'll, history yeah. will show was a short-sighted move. Oh, Incredibly absolutely. short-sighted. Yeah. I mean. So I, we're talking about ARPANET. And, <laughs> All right, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the uh, first successful uh, host-to-host connect connection, so the first connect, real uh, instance of ARPANET starting to work, was made between people uh, from the Stanford Research Institute and UCLA by a programmer called Bill Duval, and then from the UCLA side from a student programmer called Charlie Klein. And it happened at 10.30pm mm. on the 29th of October, 1969. And Klein typed the command login as mm. his first command. But initially, <laughs> the, com- uh, the computer on one end crashed after he typed the first two characters. And then about an hour later, Duval went in and adjusted some of the parameters and Klein tried again and managed to log in successfully. So as a result, the first two characters sent successfully over the internet were low. <laughs> Hello, low. And then if he if he tried it again, then the first three characters would have been L-O-L. Wow. Right? Because yeah, then yeah, he, re- yeah, yeah. he started with around. login, right? So to finish off, here's a question for you. ARPANET was up and running mm. by, as we've discussed, end of October, November 1969. How long did it take, do you think, before the first illegal message was sent? Oh <laughs> and then second, what do you think was the crime that was committed with this first illegal message? Oh. So, so November 1969, it started working between, you know, two computers mm. in, yeah. in both in California. I, I'm going to guess that it's probably like um, cheat. Like an exam paper that someone skimmed and sent to a colleague or something like that. I think, uh, that's good or maybe piracy by sharing a research mm. that it never licensed for or something. Mm-hmm. I think it has to do like genuinely with sex, <laughs> <laughs> and I would say within two weeks. Wow, I'm going to say that very night. That just reflects the levels of faith you respectively have in the in human nature. Yes, <laughs> and very in, low in, in levels nerds. of faith. Yeah, zero. <laughs> Hang on, was, uh, and you think within two weeks, and what, what time frame did that, you think? That very night. Like, <laughs> <literally, laughs> what was it, 10, 10 at night? Straight into academic he he L-O, behavior. L-O, and next thing you know, he was like, he was downloading episodes of Game of Thrones. Okay, <laughs> so, so I don't know what it, I don't, what it is about 
the world that's corrupted the way you see humanity. But it wasn't actually until 1973. Oh, And I'm afraid the crime was pretty lame. So it was someone who was requesting the return of an electric razor they'd left in the UK after a business trip. And it was a and that was a crime. crime? (laughs) It's a crime because it was a it was sponsored by the US government and it was a therefore official US government research Razor. purposes only. Oh. And so oh. to, to, to frivolously oh, cr- um, yeah. try and communicate a message just for your personal reasons was actually a crime. Oh my so God, that there you is are. about as lame a crime as you can imagine. Probably is. Yeah. I thought it was an official Razor yeah. that he lost or something. <laughs> yeah, he had off. lost the, the government science Razor. Oh, the president always carries around that briefcase. The presidential science yeah. launch code razor. and his presidential Razor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that is what's in the briefcase. <laughs> So th- there you have it, though. But fortunately, there haven't been, I don't think, any crimes committed on the internet since then. So. No, I, I think, think that's so. fine. Yeah, I think it's all been smooth sailing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Thanks. it had to be smooth with the razor that's... back in the right hands. You know? uh-huh. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, okay. There you are. Arpanet. Arpanet. Well, my story actually f- kind of follows on from that because you mentioned Eisenhower and 1957 and, and Sputnik and all of this stuff, which is convenient as I'm talking about the space race. Um, oh, yeah, I know. Not I- heard of it. <laughs> yeah. So I get to do the moon landing um, because I'm the only one of us who can do a JFK impression. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited. Is this actually going to happen? It is going to happen. And I mean, I just wanted to set expectations. It's very bad. Yeah, well, of course, I, of course it will be bad. I think it, it will be better than either of yours. You, you know, you've not done it yet, so you can just not do it. No, you know? I'm, I have to Okay, here we go. Yeah. Okay. It's going to happen later. I'm not just going to mm-hmm. do it now. It's gonna oh, okay. Do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's- Between now and then, I'm going to try and find my job. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah, you yeah. can dig deep and you'll have it. Um, okay, so... I mean, everyone knows the the broad strokes background of the space race. As Will said, in 1957, the Soviets launched Sputnik, and it really kicks off in earnest. Mm. Uh, in 1960, John F. Kennedy is elected, and he makes it a big push. In, uh, in 61, he commits to putting a man on the moon by the end of the decade. And in 1962, he doubles down on that in his now famous speech at Rice University. Here we go. <laughs> which sounded a little something oh, like this. Oh, Wait, are we just are we just gonna cut it here and then insert yeah, the yeah. original audio? <laughs> I think we should do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm gonna do it. I've committed to it. All Ooh. right. Maybe we should do your one and then the original audio straight afterwards. Yeah, that's that's exactly prepare. what I'm gonna do. Yeah. I'm gonna do so, this. Yeah, yeah. So and you'll have to decide which is which, and yeah. you won't oh, be able to. You tell. won't tell them which one you okay. think Anna is. Okay. Now one. Listen. Yeah. 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 Okay, okay. You're about to hear two speeches with the same words. <laughs> one of them will be Anna. The other one will be John F. Kennedy. Right inside. Yeah. Right in. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Mm. Okay, and... We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. So for my uh, (laughs) research this week, I did... (laughs) <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> you didn't have to do any of this but i'm so proud of you i know so i just i really wanted to <laughs> um, uh so after that speech uh public opinion was actually still really against kennedy probably because of the accent which i just did flawlessly <laughs> uh most people thought it was a colossal waste of money someone even referred to it as a moondoggle which i love oh, that's good um but kennedy persists and uh even su- suggests some joint u.s soviet missions 
which is cool. And that did eventually happen in 1975. Um, but back in the 60s, both sides are starting with uncrewed missions. So they send non-humans into space. Monkeys, mice, turtles, guppies, guinea pigs, frogs, wasps, beetles, and 12 dogs, famously starting with... You know the uh, name of the first oh, dog in space? Oh, Ooh. yes. I, oh, this is such a good quiz, quiz question. Her her name was Laika. That's oh. the one. Yep. How do you teach a turtle radio <laughs> voice procedure? <laughs> Slowly. Right. Yeah. Um, in 1961, the US sends the first chimpanzee into space, and his name is a popular sandwich topping. Uh, uh, Buzz Aldrin. <laughs> <laughs> His name is Ham. 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 Good. Yeah. Yeah, Good. 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 Not Coronation Chicken. Uh, (laughs) And then in April 1961, the Soviets send the first human who was. Yuri Gagarin. There it is. Yuri Gagarin. And also, this is a thing I had no idea about. The French sent a cat into space. Oh, I did not know that. I didn't know the French but, sent anything into well, space. Well, that was that was because that's a tradition, isn't it? It was the scape cat. The, <laughs> the once a century scape cat. Every they, year since Louis XIV. That's right. Well, he had to get learn from the turtle, of course. Yeah. You know, there's an exchange program, uh, which helped him out. So the Apollo program kicks off in 1961. This is the third U.S. human spaceflight program following Mercury and Gemini. Apollo missions use the Saturn rockets, including the Saturn V, the tallest and most powerful rocket that has ever existed. And in my opinion, one of the coolest things Mm. to have ever existed in the world ever. It's awesome. Um, And they left Ham in there. (laughs) No, Ham was... (laughs) Oh, actually, no, Ham wouldn't have been on an Apollo mission. Um, in 1968, Apollo 8 carries out the first human trip to the moon, does 10 orbits around before returning to Earth. Apollo 9 is the first can, flight. Can we just put like allegedly into a bunch of this? Just, just please, <laughs> oh, just, yeah. you know, just, yeah. you know, the jury's still out. Yeah, really, well, I'm know. telling a story. Yeah, okay, it's up yeah, to yeah, you yeah, to decide yeah, okay. if it's fiction or yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, Anne's I, decided. I, I know what I've decided. Yeah. Uh, so Apollo 9 does the first <laughs> flight with a full Apollo spacecraft in May 1969. Apollo 10 performs a full dress rehearsal without, you know, the crucial final bit, which is not a great dress rehearsal, but hey, they got pretty close. And uh, so now we're at the big moment. It's July 1969. Apollo 11 launches from Florida, from Cape Kennedy or Cape Canaveral on the 16th of July and then reaches the moon on the 20th. And they guide the lunar module Eagle down to land on the surface of the moon. Mm. allegedly Allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but one thing i didn't know is that even though at this point it's pretty clear that the soviets have been beat they're still going so on the 13th of july just three days before apollo 11 the soviets launched luna 15 which was a robotic probe that was supposed to go down and scoop up some moon dirt and bring it back to earth before the americans yeah yeah which is like okay good job you got dirt first (laughs) but like we're sending humans so checkmate um anyway it failed it crashed into the moon two hours before the americans left the surface to return to earth i did not know i know yes there was a different spacecraft on the moon at the same time allegedly as the astronauts that's so cool um so okay the two americans who landed on the moon or who walked on the moon were of course commander neil armstrong and lunar module pilot edwin buzz aldrin (laughs) um But do you know the name of the command module pilot? I do. I do. Oh, you both do? Yes. Great. Say it Michael at the same time. Collins. Good job. Agreed. 
<laughs> Correct. That's great. That that makes me really happy because I feel like he always gets mm-hmm. left out. He does. Um, I mean, he was literally left out. He had to orbit the moon alone for 21 hours while they were just goofing around on the surface. I think he went back later. Did he go back later? I think he did. Uh, yeah, remember. but I don't think he ever walked on the moon. I think okay. he just went back to fly it again. Okay. He really liked being alone. <laughs> and boy, howdy, orbiting the moon. <laughs> Yeah, is about is as alone solitary. as you can get. Yeah. Did you bring his guitar for any movie music? <laughs> he was just playing Wonderwall the whole On time. Repeat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so here are some moon landing facts for you. There is the famous... One. Didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> one. It's all a hoax. Uh, you know, it's always one one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. But of course, Armstrong always insisted that he said one small step for a man. Mm. Um, and that the audio is just too grainy to to verify that. But researchers who had a lot of time on their hands analyzed recordings of conversations from 40 people raised in Columbus, Ohio, which is near Armstrong's hometown of Wapakoneta, Ohio, mm. and found that they typically blended the words for a so they sounded like fra. So... <laughs> Because he just had an Ohio accent, he could have said one small step from man. (laughs) And uh, we don't know what it was. So I guess that's that. That's great. Why You would have thought that most people at that moment, I mean, I know he's got a lot on his mind. He's probably also Mm. a bit worried about, you know, what happens when I step on the moon a little bit. Is it going to open up and swallow me whole? Or just something yeah, bad happening. But you would have thought you would just take your time and say whatever your clever thing you've thought of nice and clearly. What would you say? What would your first words be? <laughs> Holy shit, I'm on the moon. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. And the whole world listening. The whole world listening, which is why, yeah, I wouldn't probably say that. I but it's know. a great, I mean, they nailed it. Yeah, they, they did. I mean, they, did, they yeah. landed on the moon and got back. What would you say? Uh, I, I would actually just be eerily quiet <laughs> and then just wait until like the whole world is on the hook and then just like, yeah, just scream and run back into the thing and just claim those monsters and aliens there. Yeah, yeah just a terrified scream. Terrified scream <laughs> as I exited from the soundstage in Hollywood. <laughs> and you run out onto Sunset I think I just say, wake up, sheeple. <laughs> and take my helmet off and breathe the actual oxygen-rich atmosphere that is the Earth. Absolutely. <laughs> um, here's another fun fact is the astronauts reported that moon dust smelled and they said that it smelled like wet fireplace ashes Ooh. or the air after a fireworks show. Amazing. I would have that candle in my house. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> wet moon dust. Wet moon dust. So they they kind of clomped it in on their on their boots um, and then brushed it off and they smelled it in the in the like capsule. But by the time they landed, the smell had disappeared. Mm. So we just have to take their word for it. Interesting. Um, they tasted it as well. Yeah, would you, they would you be tempted just a little. Like, I don't know to lick moon dust. Well, no, you wouldn't lick it. You do the classic like seventies cop show, rub it on your gums kind of thing. Oh, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, the moon actually has insanely high traces of cocaine. Oh, must do. Yeah, yeah, Why do they do that? This is an aside. Like it's clearly a bag of cocaine. You don't need to rub it into your gums. Yeah, but what if it's salt? That would be fun. Well, who's who's smuggling kilos of salt up there? (laughs) Well, whatever. You know, know I've never been in the specialist crime division of the Miami Police Department, don't you? (laughs) I don't know why I'm asking you then. Yeah, I don't know why why you're wearing a leather jacket, aviators, (laughs) and put your gun and your badge in the desk. And why do you keep claiming you're too old for this shit? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, in total, 24 U.S. astronauts have traveled to the moon. 12 have walked on its surface. And a small vial of ashes from the body of lunar scientist Eugene Shoemaker currently reside in the crater named after him. Mm. The only human remains on the moon 
That we know of. That we know of. That we know of. It's so interesting. And because I would be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit about the conspiracy theory, (laughs) um, I did read the entire wiki page listing all of the theories, and there is just such an overwhelming amount of evidence to disprove them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But my favorite one uh, was not about the flag or the sun or whatever, but that a woman in Perth, Australia, said that for two or three seconds, she saw a Coca-Cola bottle roll across the lower right quadrant of her tv screen (laughs) while she was watching the moonwalk and no one else saw that no one else saw that um but she you know she disproved it (laughs) um and you've of course you've got the flat earthers who think that it was a movie directed by stanley kubrick the Uh. hari krishnas think the landings were faked for a variety of reasons this this is true this is true be uh and some of the reasons why they think it's fake is because they think the moon is farther away from the earth than the sun that's madness. Yeah, and the other one is that the god of vegetation lives on the moon and would never allow someone to land. Oh. This, okay. This is real. This is not me making well, it up. I'm really. Yeah. This I is amazing. Know that. Do yeah. they know that they're wrong? Um. Well, they don't because they <laughs> wow. think they're right. Someone really should tell them. Um. And then just to close it out, they I uh, have some poll numbers from how what percentage of people think the moon landing was fake. Oh, this yeah, is yeah. going to be depressing. Yeah. It? Um. Yeah. It's both more and less depressing than you'd think. Okay. So I think when you look at these cool. poll, poll these polls, about ten or eleven percent of people think like any kind of crazy stuff. Yeah. I reckon with this one because it's quite well known, it'd be more. Maybe like, I think thirty percent. I think seventeen percent. Okay. Think. Uh, Will, you're closer. Uh, in America, polls have ranged from between 6 and 20% yeah, of Americans. Yeah. In Russia, mm-hmm. Ant is closer. It's 28% in really? Russia. Really? I guess wow. because of mm-hmm. political messaging and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that makes yeah. Sense. And pretty damning for the British. What do we think? Oh, oh is it God. worse? Is it worse in the UK? It's worse than the US. Oh, Okay, so 25% then. It's 25%. That's so sad. 25% oh, so sad. of British people think One we didn't quarter land on of our listeners, <laughs> yeah. statistically speaking, <laughs> think we didn't morons. land on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm going to go unequivocal. Yeah, fair Sorry. enough. Sorry. Um, actually, no, our listeners are not like that. Listeners to other historical. Yeah, podcasts. I'd say we have a bias towards conspiracy theorists. Yeah. So it's probably 100% <laughs> of our listeners. I think we perfectly represent, I think our listeners are perfectly representative of all the people on Earth yeah, in yeah. every possible way. <laughs> so fr- from the age of zero to 115, yeah. all languages and cultures yeah, we, and all sets of beliefs. We do tend to aggressively target the demographic of top 75% people exclusively so yeah we don't want any bottom tier people working in the basic projects club or whatever it was called (laughs) um yeah so that was 1969 when we absolutely 100 did land on the moon allegedly yes Yes. so good there there is one small um step conspiracy theory that has probably got some groundings in truth was this theory of the lost cosmonauts have you heard of this no so this was that the russians were so desperate to get into space first that Yuri Gagarin may not have been the first person to get into space, but is the first person to survive getting back into Earth. So interesting. There is theories. No that, way. That they nope. they had such poor regard for safety that they just chucked rockets. But up. what about They're, all the people involved in launching those rockets and yeah. recovery? Like it, 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 they wouldn't like able to cover that. Small, there is like there is know. some. I mean, I I don't know about the humans part, but there is documented evidence that the Soviets only gave names to the missions that succeeded yeah so there's like luna one through 15 
but there were actually 15 other Luna missions that didn't oh, wow. okay, yeah. succeed and they didn't want the world and also the rest of the Soviets yeah. to know that they had failed. So they only named them so if they'd been a success. So uh, th- uh, the Lunas were all uncrewed. I don't know about yeah. the man- any manned flight, but mm, there's yeah. at I least mean, some truth. I intend to take the-, the same approach with any children I have. If they, if they aren't <laughs> successful, they don't get names. <laughs> don't name them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just give just, them numbers until yeah, they get their bachelors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me, come back when you've learned how to sword fight and I'll give you a name. (laughs) I assume that's the number one criterion for your children. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, today, my three words, as you may remember, if you have a memory that lasts over 20 minutes, was biggest ever festival. Yes. So 1969. Here we go. This year contains the Summer of Love. Yeah. Uh, and this episode, I'm actually going to cover off one of the biggest ever events that ever happened. Yep. But it didn't happen in the Summer of Love. That would be Woodstock. We're not going to talk about that. Oh, yeah. Small thing. Uh, we're going to happen. This happened in before the Summer of Love in the lesser known Spring of Regret. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as an aside, it really is a shame they stop naming the seasons mm. after the winter of discontent in 1978 with yeah. the strikes, you know. Yeah, um, the autumn of fungus. <laughs> <Ennui>. <laughs> <laughs> so in the spring of regret in a small university town in Fargo in North Dakota. Wow. We come across the hero of this tale, a chap by the name of Chuck Stroop, uh, which is a great name. So Chuck was a student of the North Dakota State University there. And he was a frequent writer and contributor for the student paper, The Spectrum. And it was coming up to spring break and he wrote an article lamenting the fact that spring break was coming up and he couldn't afford to travel from North Dakota to Fort Lauderdale or one of these other places Mm -hmm. where people used to go to um, chug beer, all that kind of stuff. It wasn't fair that other universities were closer. And, you know, why can't you just have spring break anywhere? And if we all just agreed to go somewhere instead, we could just have a cool fun time there. Because March in North Dakota is famously (laughs) the same as like March in Cabo. (laughs) Spring break's a People do people coordinate where they go for spring break in yeah. America? Well, there are like big party, party towns. towns. Yeah, yeah. Can I just confirm? Is spring break just what we would call like Easter holiday, yeah, half so, term? Yeah. yeah well, when but does it it's, happen? It's usually in March. Okay, I think yeah. yours are a little later, and okay. they're pegged to Easter. Right. Yeah. Us is ours is just like it's, it's yeah. Some, it's it's just a thing. It's your uh, break. It's your mid semester break. break. Is this when the yeah. basketball happens? <laughs> I, think, I think the basketball happens like near no there's like a college basketball thing yeah it's march madness is it the same oh, time? Yeah, the ncaa okay, okay. tournament um the that would usually end right around when spring break would start got it right. so that's yeah. just another thing but that happens in march yes march is a busy busy month for american <laughs> for wow yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. so anyway chuck, thank you uh, yeah, chuck decides <laughs> he decides to post this idea in his article uh that if everyone just descended on one point and party there for a weekend, they can have their own North Dakotan spring break. <laughs> and the, so was this, he's suggesting pe- people from North Dakota come yeah, and do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, they all just So not everyone own. across the country. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, at this point. So right. he chose a town called Zap in North Dakota, Zap. Z-A-P, uh, population 210. Oh, uh, megalopolis. A, yeah, absolutely. It's a tiny place. It's, it's on the Knife River. The etymology of the name is unknown. It might be after a banking family or a town in Scotland. But no one cares because there's nothing notable at this town except for its name. It had one bar, one restaurant and a church, and it was absolutely not set up for a festival. Anyway, the festival was called <laughs> Zip to Zap, a grand festival of light and love. Oh, love it. 
It's a good name. It it's is a great good. name. Zip to zap. I mean, yeah. It is great. Uh, and and Kevin Carvel, another hero, was the the editor of the newspaper, and he kind of kept up this joke, and he made mock advertisings about it, and 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 one of the ads that he posted is the following. And it's sort of a blurb about this festival. And it says, located in the valley of the Scenic Knife River, Zap, Zip 58580, has thrown open its <laughs> arms to students. The beautiful Berg's 250 residents welcome them to their shores. Shall we say no to this truly fine gesture of Western hospitality? Of course not. On May 10th, we and students like us will flock to Zap, the Fort Lauderdale of the North. <laughs> Where do you get your tan? Florida? No, the Knife River. So that was Kevin's uh, editorial. Anyway, the article was published and it gained some like local notoriety and like, you know, as, as a hilarious jape, all these students saying, hey, this isn't so funny as a thing. Um, but it did actually get picked up by the Associated Press. Nice. Uh, and this was in the sort of myths of like, you know, the establishment versus these hippie students, anti-Vietnam sentiment. And it was, a, it was an article that was, you know, lamenting like hippies are destroying America and that part of that narrative. Uh, and the, the students were going to mob this town and destroy it in this peaceful countryside place. <laughs> so this article was syndicated nationwide and it had the opposite effect of what they were intending to do. Mm. Uh, the, it, it, it basically just gave it marketing and it spread like wildfire and students from across the country were now in on the joke. They were sending their messenger foxes all over the place. Oh the yeah, town. for sure. Yeah. And you you think this the locals might not be happy, but they were actually pretty excited to bump to the local economy. So the mayor was involved, all yeah. the rest, and they uh, were all very excited. And they decided to prepare in the best way they knew how. Uh, so one, they bought a load of beer, check, and uh, <laughs> then one of the locals donated a cow to barbecue, nice. and the local ladies prepared beans for lunch um, <laughs> for on the Saturday when the festival was supposed to start. And cool. So all all boxes checked. Yeah. yeah. Beans, everything prepared beans, and ready to beef go. Beef and beer. <laughs> yeah. I think but, but also they invented the Zip Zap Burger, and oh. there was some uh, toy company that uh, made a Zip Zap toy. Which, if you look it up, it's like a long stretchy string of elastic with like foam around it, and you you kind of hold it between two people or something. And it kind of basically looks like construction waste. They just wanted to get rid of and make a buck <laughs> on. It's just completely insane. Okay. Anyway, the festiv- festivities aren't supposed to start until the Saturday. However, 3,000 students show up on the Friday night. Wow. <laughs> yes. And they, like, there's only like, like what, three public toilets in the entire town, if, if that. I mean, if Including that. the church. Yeah. Um, so 3,000 show up on the Friday and commence to absolutely slam the tiny bar called Mike's. Um, all the 12 seats were full. And the crowds were just completely overflowing into the streets. Oh my God, this is such small town America. I <laughs> it love really it. Is. Yeah. The mayor was there in the bar as well, hosting. He's like, oh, this is a great little festival. But then uh, his mayor, Fuke, uh, his name, uh, colloquially known as Mayor Puke as well. By nice. The nice. But he exits the pub after like, you know, doing his mayoral show Puking. up and, and do all that kind of stuff. And he is immediately beset by the scenes of like student revelry and chaos there. There's a bonfire going, uh, just hordes of unwashed hippies. Um, you couldn't move for like flares and beads and, and, and like yeah, shag pile rugs. Um, anyway, uh, he panics uh, as all leaders should do when faced with slight inconvenience. <laughs> when yeah, when faced with like perfectly harmless eighteen-year-olds. Exactly. Yeah. And he calls the governor for backup. Oh geez. And that's when the national guard roll into town. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, and the National Guard around this time, not such a great name for breaking up protests, etc. like that. Yeah. But this was actually very peaceful. Not, no real violence or injury or anything like that. It's very, very peaceful. But hang and on. That- so there's just like a large student party. Yeah. And he's called in the military. 
Yeah. This is yeah, madness. Yeah. Well, 3,000 people overwhelming a town of 210. I mean, like. But what you do know, you mean by overwhelming? They're not ransacking anywhere, well, are they? They're just sort of being there. They're just kind of like hanging about and stuff, you know, loitering, I guess, you know? Infestation. Yeah, yeah. Get them out. I mean, we we covered America's greatest religion of capitalism with yeah. the stupid stretchy bits, <laughs> and now our second greatest religion, which is the military. Yeah, exactly. So you got to have both of them. And the, they've and, run out of beef at this stage, obviously. And that's our third. <laughs> so that's that's really where the crisis happens. Yeah, exactly. But the the guard, you know, they're actually they got on great. They're just kind of standing around, looking a bit stern. But some of them were joking with the students, saying, "Next year, when this happens, they're not going to show up in uniform. They'll just come and join in the party." <laughs> um, but the uh, the crowd does disperse. Um, but there's a mass- massive amount of them that still want a party and they're moving around to the neighboring towns, like just these zombie hordes. And like these neighboring <laughs> towns are like getting calls on the phone or whatever and saying, oh my God, the students are coming your way. And one of the towns, um, they were all so scared. They set up a picket line and they they raided there and they bought out from the hardware shop every single pitchfork, hammer, like staff and oh, everything, like bags of nails, whatever it was, to try and form protective barrier around their their boring town but these um, are just children who want a good weekend yeah exactly. like, yeah what's going this is they must be punished but- <laughs> <laughs> exactly thank you um but the students didn't go to that town anyway because obviously you don't want to they heard people were armed with hammers and bags of nails which and i think is- <laughs> <of nails. laughs> yeah. anyway the local state radio station uh very famous in north dakota at the time was called kfyr um they K-fire, were in, K-Fire 1018. That's the one. But they were into the joke and they've they've been like amping this festival up for weeks as part of the running gag. Oh, make sure you go into the, you know, to the, to the festival and all the rest in, in, in zap. Zip to zap. Um, but what they were doing is they were actually coordinating where the hordes should go next because they, they would then publish on the air that everyone was listening to in their cars saying, oh no, the students are all centralizing in Williamsburg where the beer is 50 cents and blah, 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 whatever. So they were effectively like telling the students where to go next. So they were coordinating nice. this. Um, because they were all sort of in on, they're trying to get like sponsorship and like you know get their DJs and whatever into the parties and that kind of stuff. Um, so uh, eventually, the state sort of kind of gave in, and they're like, right, we just can't have these hordes of of students just running around the place. So rather than play whack a mole, they set up a party venue in in a park in Bismarck, in the town of Bismarck, the capital of North Dakota. Yeah, the capital of North Dakota. And they like just said, hey, everyone, just go here. You, yeah. There's a stage. There's DJs, face painting. The, the whole lot was there. Sorry, how long is this? Like over what period of time? Three days. Talking? Three days. Three okay. days. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> wow. and, uh, okay. I think ninth, ninth, tenth, and eleventh. Okay. Yeah, of May, nineteen sixty nine. Um. So it's, 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 uh, yeah, they, they went there. They had a great weekend. Uh, probably a lot of people, you know, taking acid and all that kind of stuff that they, they did. Having fun. Wouldn't know anything about fun. So I'm sure it was great. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's gone down in the annals of North Dakotan history as the only student gathering that has been broken up by the National Guard. And still to this Good. day, record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it wasn't like those students did anything to remotely no, warrant me. the deployment of an armed force against them. It got yes. pretty close, though, with the great science club uprising of <laughs> yeah, 1985. It's pretty close. <laughs> it pretty close. Yeah. Uh, I guess maybe just as a few sort of follow-ups and addendums, uh, uh, Kevin Carvel, who was the editor, you know, people were like baying for his blood, but he'd actually resigned from the paper before oh, that. No, his last day Kev. was actually the 10th. And he'd handed in his notice previously and he dropped out of college because, you know, he was a total partier, it turns out, and didn't go to class very much. Uh, and, and, and so, um, yeah, he, uh, he just worked in the paper and, and gave up, really. And it just got out of hand. Uh, and one of those instances where the fear mongering actually was responsible for, like, I guess, mongering the fear. 
Oh, <laughs> funny wow. how that will happen wow. with the fear-mongering. <laughs> yeah, uh, and there's no no clash, no deaths or anything like that, no real injuries that I could discover. Uh, North Dakota State University did pay a fine, um, but otherwise it's kind of remembered as this fond, weird quirk of just something kind of going viral before... Yeah. What do we monger? <laughs> Knowledge. Shoes. Shoes. <laughs> shoes. You're a shoemonger. Yeah. 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 I've been secretly selling shoes <laughs> Have you? on every episode. I've been getting some tweets. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. yeah. That explains it's, it. People are listening. Okay, great. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's the biggest festival that happened in 1969. <laughs> yep, that's the only Until, one like, that I care yeah, about. Yeah, Woodstock or whatever, but yeah, who cares about who that? who cares about it? No one has ever thought about Woodstock since. <laughs> no and people talk about zip to zap. <laughs> All like, the time. Nobody's business. This is, I think, the dumbest combination of things we've chosen from a year so far like this is the, the moon landing fine excuse that was, you. but it's just the it's just the it's the, and, it's and the, the juxtaposition it's the yeah it's the so what you're saying is i'm the dumbest one here and i've chosen the dumbest thing and the two of your smart things are good is what you're saying so i chose the internet and anna chose the moon landing and you chose a party in north dakota over a weekend yeah. with and a few I'm, thousand people and i'm the better for it it happened in 1969 and those are the only rules that, <laughs> that i abide by the one rule that's the it's one true. rule it doesn't say we have at least adhered to the rule this time it's yeah. not the randomly you know, generated good history podcast. Yeah. You know? I'm yeah. sorry, tune into those guys. Yeah. <laughs> if you want, if you want good history. good podcasts out yeah. there. Yeah. 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 I loved learning about Zip to Zap. Thank you, Thank Anna. You. I appreciate you. Thanks for joining us. That's everything you'd ever need to know about the year 1969. And if you have any questions or comments, you can find us on Twitter or visit our website, randomlygeneratedhistory.com. And I'd just like to say a thanks to Patrick, mm. our esteemed board member, for selecting the year 1969. Excellent choice. And if you'd like to pick a year as well, you can do that at, by going to patreon.com forward slash randomlyhistory. Very exciting. Yeah, thanks, Patrick. And now all that's left there to do is to blow away the plumes of dry ice smoke and <laughs> take the random number generator out of its case and uh, boot it up and get the next year. Hold on, I'm not wearing my ceremonial robe. Oh, yeah. Well, Jesus, <laughs> do you think you should be prepared for this by now? Okay, it's on, it's on, I'm ready. Okay, it is paddling over to us with its land paddles. <laughs> There's a rich, rich smell of wet ash. <laughs> wet ash and as it approaches. And I'm booting it up. Oh. And it's so bright. It's just a redolent <laughs> of fireplace. <laughs> the next year is 1933. Okay. 1933. Okay. Well, yeah, God, a lot of 20th century stuff going on these days. Oh, yeah, there is actually. Oh, well, I think that's great though. That's Famously good. a historical century. Yeah, this is great. This yeah. is very recent. This yeah. is the most this is the most recent genuinely randomly chosen one. Genuinely randomly chosen yeah, one. Yeah, 69 yes. was not genuinely random. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it was genuinely chosen. We didn't know what it was going to be until he chose it. Mm. But yeah, this is the first procedurally generated one. Patrick used his judgment. His, he uses his judgment. His random <laughs> judgment. <laughs> cool. Great. Exciting. Great. See you next time for 1933. Sweet. Hey. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.